Hello, I'm Shelley Bowman, and I'm here with Gail Mariel. And um, today we're talking about her journey to helping women overcome um, imposter syndrome and the other amazing things she does. So, um, yeah, I'll allow you to just give us a brief introduction. Great. Thank you so much, Shelley. It's, it's such an honor to be part of uh, your network and be part of uh, your community. I am an IT professional with over 25 years of experience as a project manager. I have worked in corporations uh, that are Fortune 500. And within that time, I have seen a lot and experienced a lot of imposter syndrome because of situations uh, that corporations face. I am also a motivational speaker. I am an author as well as uh, a, a blogger. I love to help women inspire and empower them when they face imposter syndrome to really be able to re-look at their emotions, take inventory of them when they face imposter syndrome, because a lot of times women face imposter syndromes when they are in a new role at work, or they feel like they're going into something that they thought they were an expert at. And then unfortunately, they feel that they're not adequate enough. So I help them regain their confidence, really take inventory of their goals, redefine their success, and become warriors with a purpose on their hand. Amazing. And um, let's just go back to that point of like, all those things you do and you're <laughs> you look 20 years old so thank you <laughs> tell us how old your son is this is amazing my son is 20 years old he is a junior in uh, at a university uh, majoring in aviation so he's uh want he wants to become a, a commercial airline pilot right and you had him when you were six right <laughs> <laughs> no. okay. so um yeah and then the thing that I always have to ask is you've obviously gone through your own journey to get where you are and yes. you know nobody wakes up in the morning and goes like oh today I want to comp you know like tackle my imposter syndrome you know like it's more we get to a place of pain where we go oh I've got to deal with this so mm -hmm. what did you go through to get you to where you are to where you can help other women Okay. I actually have two stories to, uh, to share. So the first story is, as I mentioned earlier, I am a project manager and a lot of integrity goes into professional certifications. One of, of my journey uh, is going through the project management professional certification. It's also known as the PMP. It is a very coveted role and a very coveted certification, especially in the project management world. Uh, if you have that certification, it's it, you're very highly regarded. You are an expert in project management and you have more opportunities uh, to showcase your talent. I My journey was 
a self-study journey. I had a mentor that's, that gave me the framework to actually study on my own and be able to take the exam and pass it for the first time. I am not very good at standardized tests. Uh, so it was very challenging for me. I was able to self-study working through workbooks and practice exams online. And when I felt really confident about myself because I was passing the exams, I went in for the exam. It was during COVID at the time, so it was all virtual. And an added anxiety was that a proctor online was really watching you throughout the whole process. So you, I, I had to get over that uh, because of the fact that you know they're watching every move because with the area that you're in, there's very high restrictions. So with that anxiety and the fact that I needed to pass this exam, I went through the check-in process. And when I passed, I went ahead and started the exam. Unfortunately, I didn't do well. It was very tough for me to go through the questions. I ran out of time. I kept looking at the counter on top of the screen and just anxiety filled me and I was not able to pass it. So that moment when I received the results really got to me because I studied very hard. I was working a full-time job and managing a household. So to me, it was like all those months of studying was thrown out the window. I regrouped after a while and I went back to my mentor and said, hey, let's let's kind of revisit this and see where, where I can improve on. I looked at the results and looked at the areas to actually focus my next round of studying. I, after a week of decompression, I wanted to be sure that I cleared my head. I went ahead and revisited and studied more intensely this time. And this time I was like, okay, I, I knew what, what I did wrong. I still self-studied and I was able to pass the practice exams again. So I went in the exam the second time, really feeling more confident uh, because I was able to revisit all the questions that I got wrong or all the concepts I got wrong. After going in through the exam the second time, I failed again. So this time I was very, very demotivated, uh, unmotivated, you know, just really emotional about it. You know, I went through so many emotions. It was hard to really pinpoint which one I was feeling at the time. I've been a project manager for so many years. I lived and breathed that material. I self-studied. I knew what I was doing and yet I couldn't do it. I also compared myself to my colleagues. They all passed through self-study on the first try. And here I am on the second try and failed again. I That's when imposter syndrome hit really hard because I was like, do I really need to go ahead and think about pivoting careers? Was, you know, like, what's really wrong with me? And it was that moment when I was like, okay, I really need to just decompress and not think about it and just really regroup. But after a few months of really letting it go, I was approaching my year end mark of when I started the journey. And I said, you know what? I, I really need to finish what I started. 
I regrouped myself. I really dug deep, did some soul searching and, and looked at my learning style, looked at my 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 learning capacity, like my mental capacity, and then also my learning environment. I ended up taking a boot camp class uh, to interact with an instructor and interact with other students. I was able to get through that. It actually clicked in me. And I realized that's really my learning style. And going into the third try and final try, I was really more confident than I ever was. And just that type of learning environment really resonated with me. When I went through the third time, going through the exam again, it was a light bulb that went off. I was able to breeze through the exam really quickly, and I did not go back to the questions and really second guess myself. I did not do that. And when I got the results, I passed. With that, I really started crying, <laughs> like a really ugly cry because of the fact that all those months of frustration, of really going through those emotions, frustration, imposter syndrome, you know, just really looking at myself and telling myself that I, what was I doing wrong, what was really wrong with me, and really digging deep inside of what was going on. It really was released in that moment that I saw that I passed. And I really figured out that what I shouldn't have done was really compare myself to others and really just look at myself and what really resonates with me and what I could do on my own. And once I let that go, that's when I succeeded because I, I, I kept telling myself, if I didn't pass on the first time, then I'm a failure. If I didn't pass the second time, I'm a failure. And then because of, I was a failure either way because of the fact that a lot of my colleagues had passed on the first try. So for me, it was the enlightenment of letting go of that feeling and really telling myself I could do this my own way. And that's when I, I ended up succeeding. Right. Well, so many times we judge our own insides by other people's outsides. So, I mean, social media is one obvious place where, you know, everything looks great and we're just like, oh my God, that person has this perfect life and everything, but we're judging how we feel based on their surface. And so, yeah, your colleagues, maybe they were struggling as well, but you didn't know that. Um, right. or, you know, they have just have a different learning style and you inside are going, oh no. You know, but then, you know, everyone has a different learning style. The, um, I, I know you've got an MBA as well, but when I did my MBA, um, we, I, I was specializing in marketing and okay. I failed the marketing exam, but everyone else failed it as well. And so it was like, oh, there was something wrong in how they were testing us and how they were teaching us. And so they they revisited that but I mean it was devastating to get the results and go like huh? because in in our case they were judging 50 percent by knowledge of the material and 50 percent by critic critical analysis of that material and we were only trained in the material not in the critical analysis of the material so we all missed half the exam and none of us knew that that was part of the exam so you know that was revisited but also like um uh corporate finance killed me 
accounting for manager killed me because they were like, and I was surrounded by a bunch of finance people that were like, this is a breeze. And I'm like, what's wrong? But um, yeah, and, I mean, I ended up passing um, both of those, but it was, um, you know, it was like, as opposed to like, I had to memorize like a ton of formulas that I immediately forgot afterwards for corporate finance, where all these people already knew it because Hong Kong's like a corporate finance kind of place. But so I was definitely in the exactly what you were doing and comparing my insides to other people's outsides where they're just like, this is, you know, this is a no brainer. And I'm like, I'm like a designer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Anyway. Um, so yeah, the, the comparing our insides to other people's outsides is a big, big one. Um, right. And then what was your other story? A story is more a personal story. So I, you know, you had mentioned uh, my son, uh, he is 20 years old, but many years ago when he was young, very young, uh, he was diagnosed, well, we, he was diagnosed with fatal food allergies, potential fatal food allergies. And I was a new mom at the time. Uh, he was only 11 months old. And I, you know, my husband and I decided to go ahead and start weaning him off of nursing. So uh, we gave him a bottle of milk, you know, regular milk. Didn't realize that he, there was no signs before of allergies. And when I gave him the bottle of milk, he ended up breaking out. Uh, he, it, uh, to a point where he went into anaphylactic shock. And it was so eye-opening for me because of the fact that I was a new mom. This was never really discussed, you know, with the pediatrician and just being 11 months in being a mom. As we were going through the, to the ER and my husband was like driving really, really fast. I was really just praying that he would be okay. But at the same time, imposter syndrome hit me because of the fact that I was the one who gave him the bottle of milk. And it's like, how did I not know this? Why, you know, how can I be a good mom if I didn't see the signs? And that's when imposter syndrome really hit because it's, it was something that I was, I was in charge of a human being. I was in charge of somebody's life. And all that could, I could have thought of was Am I even capable of being a mom if I couldn't see the signs? You know, I was just really praying and hoping that he'd be okay. And thankfully, they we were able to bring him to the ER in time and they were able to work on him and be able to really set, get him better. And I actually gave him Benadryl before we went to the ER. So that actually helped uh, lower and, and reduce the, the symptoms. But after that day, I really vowed to myself, I really wanted to just focus on him and make sure that he is staying alive throughout the years. And unfortunately, at the time, organic foods weren't readily available. So it was very hard for us to get soy milk or you know plant-based milk and, and, and the nutri nutrients that he needed. But throughout that time, it was... I was really blaming myself and really saying, you know, what could I have done throughout my pregnancy? What could I, what, what could I have done throughout, you know, the, the, the days that 
he was a baby. So it was just one of those moments and eye-opening moments where, especially if it's life-threatening, imposter syndrome hits, especially when you're a mom. But mm -hmm. thankfully, he's fine now. You know, he's a thriving 20 year old. He's he loves to cook because of, you know, and there's a lot of uh, new areas and, and of uh, food that is available to him, um, especially now that there's so many more people. It's more common now to have food allergies that are fatal. So a lot of grocery stores, a lot of restaurants, they're, you know, they're very accommodating. But 20 years ago, it was very, very new. Right. And the, um, I've never had kids, but the, my sister, she said part of being a mother was feeling constantly guilty. <laughs> and like there's, there's no way you can do everything. And, you know, your kid's going to be disappointed. And sometimes she'd have to, like, you know, she was working, so she couldn't go pick her son up when he was sick or, you know, from school or, you know, something. She said, there's always something to feel guilty about. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's like harrowing to have something that life threatening happening when she's so young. Yeah. But <clears throat> um, yeah, the, that's got to be a huge part of why women do feel the imposter syndrome is like maybe inadequacy and feeling they're inadequate. But I mean, every mom is perfect or most moms are, you know, they're doing the best. You know, I don't right. think there's any moms that are not like really doing everything they can to do their best. So. Right, right, but, exactly. Yeah, um, Yeah. so you're in IT. And so yeah. how has that been? Um, part of what I do is IT. Like I started my first web development company in 96 when I moved to Hong Kong. Okay. <clears throat> At that time, there was um, not many people making websites. They didn't even know what they, <laughs> why they needed them. But that was like, I think we incorporated in March 96. So it was early 96. And Volkswagen was our first client because there was oh, wow. people <laughs> making websites. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, and I've worked in a lot of male dominated industries. Um, one of my last huge, like big corporate gigs was for a big project management company in a, like, they do big projects like freeways and tunnels and, you know, that sort of thing. So obviously it's very, very, very male dominated. And uh -huh. there was a lot of, um, can I say this nicely? Misogyny. <laughs> okay. yeah. Did you find that difficult? Like this, that was not in the IT area, but I mean, I know from having worked, you know, with a lot of IT companies, like when I was doing websites, um, just before the dot-com, like most of the people in my company, all of my junior, all of my staff, they were, they were guys. There was just not that coders. Um, and, you know, in corporate world, I've worked in a lot of male dominated areas as well for multinationals. And how, how did you find that journey from, you know, what got you into IT? And then how did you find it as you were, you were working your way up through yeah, so I, I agree with you. When I first started my career, it was in the mid 90s. It was very, very male dominated. It was a very challenging time to be a leader or to get up to be a leader throughout that time. Uh, and it was challenging because of the fact that, you, you know, I try when you try to be the best that you can, 
you do the try to do the checklists of how to get promoted. You do everything that you can to be visible and show executive leadership what you have and what you can offer and what value you can bring in a new role and an elevated role. And it does sometimes it's very challenging to get that visibility. As I went through my career, though, I would I, I, I would say I saw started seeing a lot more women getting promoted and I became part of organizations that really valued women. And that that was one thing that I loved is being part of organizations that are diversity and inclusive uh, as a focus. And that really made me more optimistic in my development, in my career and my journey to say, hey, if, if I see women leadership getting promoted and, and getting the visibility, I can do that too. And I think that uh, even until now, it, it is something that I feel that is still lacking um, from a from a visibility standpoint. We do have more to do. You know, we have more to bring. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but we should be able to, as a, a organizations, as organizations go through that, they'll be able to have more visibility into women leadership and be more supportive. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's, um, I mean, when I look at the statistics of what was available, like when my mom was, you know, in the workforce and, you know, there was a point where women couldn't get credit cards without their husband's signature. And, you know, there was a lot of things that were not available to women very recently. It's crazy. Uh -huh. um, um, obviously I'm in Hong Kong and you're in the States. So what uh -huh. do you, what's your feelings about what's been going on? And I don't want to make this super political, but yeah. what's been going on around how, um, rights that have been fought for by women are being questioned now by you know, male politicians. How does that, I mean, how does it feel to, you know, boots on the ground? How does it feel in America when, when that kind of thing is happening in, especially yeah. in the, the, the red states? Yeah, I, I feel, especially with what's going now, uh, especially in the workplace, like I said, it's, it's great to be part of organizations that have diversity and inclusion and women, uh, you know, being supportive of women issues really on the forefront. And from what I'm seeing right now, they are very supportive and there a lot of organizations are really bringing that out, having statements written through the employee community to say, we are still supporting, uh, we are very uh, their their um, training and development, as well as their human resources and their diversity and inclusion uh, groups are really focusing on that. So I feel that even though they are, there are unfortunate circumstances, they do address it in a more positive way and saying, hey, we hear you. Uh, we have forums to actually have um, discussions about it, open discussions within the employee community. Uh, so that's, I've been seeing that. And I think that is very, very critical in engagement of everyone to say, 
have to have a voice and to ensure that there are they are being supportive regardless of what's going on. Right. Um, <clears throat> now you're an author. Do you want to tell me about like what what brought it into your mind? You're obviously super busy. You're a mom. You're you know you you have your full career. You're doing the coaching. What got you to the point of wanting to write a book, and what is that about? I have, uh, when I was younger, I've always wanted to, I've always loved reading, writing, and uh, speaking, actually. And I've, I'm have i a totally different person than other people my age. I always loved to go to the library. That was like really my go-to over the weekends <laughs> when I was younger, you know, checking out a lot, like a stack full of books and reading them in within a week and then going back and uh, being able to rent out, you know, borrow more. I felt that it was time for me to really bring out the purpose of bringing awareness of imposter syndrome to others and having a tribe so to speak, uh, and, and community of women to support me. I was presented with the opportunity to be an author and have a chapter in a book uh, called Inspiring Women Professionals Who Boss Up. And it is a compilation of other women's stories of their challenging challenges and how they overcame it. And my chapter happens to be about imposter syndrome and going through the project management uh, exam journey. And just wanted to bring that up uh, to awareness and start the discussions and let women know it's okay to feel that way. And sometimes women feel that way, but they don't have a label to it. And sometimes when you put a label to it, you're able to really say to justify it and normalize it and then say, okay, let's move forward. How can, now that I know what it is, how can I move forward and get, regain my self-confidence and be able to succeed in the goals that I wanted to succeed in. And just this book is just something that I wanted to share with the world uh, because I know I have a voice and it's something that could really could really have uh, impact to women. Amazing. Okay, so we're we're out of time. Um, oh wow! <laughs> we back. Yeah. So, um, but I just wanted to, um, yeah. Thank you for being here, and thank you for what you do with women. Um, I'm also a coach, like a, a certified life coach, and I deal with a lot of the same issues, the imposter syndrome, the inner critic, and all this kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, and then I started this this podcast. So you're actually number four person that we're doing. But because oh, I started it and then I got really sick. So I've been sick for yeah. almost almost two months. It's crazy. Like bronchitis. <laughs> it's like long COVID. But the <clears throat> Every day this week, and I think next week, just check my calendar, I'm interviewing someone. So that's coming up. And um, yeah, just again, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Appreciate and, it. Yeah. And so um, with that, I'll finish up. Let me just stop the recording here. And oops. Oh, oh there's a...